0: You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. Hardly a week goes by without the implosion of a hedge fund. Last week it was Carlisle Capital, with an astonishing $31 of debt for each dollar of equity. But we should not be surprised. These collapses are inherent in the hedge fund model. It is even conceivable that the model will join securitized subprime mortgages on the scrap heap. Getting away with producing adulterated milk is hard. Getting away with an investment strategy that adds no value is not. That was the point made by John Kay in a superb column last week. With the right fee structure, mediocre investment managers may become rich, just as they ensure that their investors cease to remain so. Two distinguished academics, Dean Foster at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and Peyton Young of Oxford University and the Brookings Institution, explain the point beautifully. They start by asking us to consider a rare event, that the stock market will fall by 20% over the next 12 months, for example. They assume, too, that the options market prices this risk correctly, say at 1 in 10. An option costs 10 cents and pays out a dollar. Now imagine that we set up a hedge fund with $100 million from investors on the normal terms of 2% management fees and 20% of the return above some benchmark. We put the 100000000 million we've raised in Treasury bills, yielding 4%. We also sell $100 million covered options on the event, and that nets us $10 million. We put this $10 million too in Treasury bills, which allows us to sell another $10 million options and this nets another $1 million. Then we go on holiday. There is a 90% chance that this bet will pay off in the first year. The fund then grosses $11 million on the sale of the options, plus 4% interest on the $110 million in Treasury bills for a handsome 15.4% return. Our investors are delighted. Assume our benchmark was just 4%. We then earn $2 million in management fees, plus 20% of the $11.4 million dollars, which amounts to over $4 gross. Whatever subsequently happens, we need never give this money back. The chances are nearly 60% that the bad event will not occur over five years. Since the fund is compounding a rate of 11.4% a year after fees, we will make well over $20 million, even if no new money is attracted into this apparently stellar enterprise. In the long run, however, the bad event is highly likely to occur, Since we have made huge profits, our investors have paid us handsomely for the near certainty of losing them money. The immediate response will be that so naked a scam is surely inconceivable. Well, imagine a fund that leverages investors' money by borrowing massively in short-term money markets in order to purchase higher-yielding but riskier paper. Assume again that the interest premium gives a correct estimate of that risk With sufficient leverage, this fund, too, is likely to make profits for years, but it is also very likely to be wiped out at some point. Does this strategy sound familiar? It certainly should by now. We can identify two huge problems to be solved. First, many investment strategies have the characteristics of a Taleb distribution, after Nicholas Taleb, author of Fooled by Randomness. At its simplest, a Taleb distribution has a high probability of a modest gain, and a low probability of huge losses in any period. Second, the system's of reward fail to align the interests of managers with those of investors. As a result, the former have an incentive to exploit such distributions for their own benefit. Professors Foster and Young argue that it is extremely hard to resolve these difficulties. It is particularly difficult to know whether a manager is skillful rather than lucky. In their telling example the chances are more than 10% that the fund will run for 20 years without being exposed as a scam. In other words, even after 20 years, the outside investor cannot be confident that the results were not being generated by luck or a scam. It is also tricky to align the interests of managers with those of investors. Obvious possibilities might include rewarding managers on the basis of final returns, forcing them to hold a sizable equity stake, or levying penalties for underperformance. None of these solutions can solve the problem of distinguishing luck from skill. The first also encourages managers to take sizable risks when they are close to the return at which payouts begin. Managers can evade the effects of the second alternative by taking positions in derivatives, which may be hard to police. Finally, even under the apparently attractive final alternative, it appears that any clawback contract Harsh enough to keep unskilled managers away will also discourage skilled ones. It is obviously best not to pay the manager as manager at all, but rather to invest alongside him, as at Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's investment company. But we still have the challenge of knowing whether the manager is any good. We know this today of Mr Buffett, but 50 years ago that would have been very hard to know. What we have then is a huge lemons problem. In this business, it is really hard to distinguish talented managers from untalented ones. For this reason, the business is bound to attract the unscrupulous and unskilled, just as such people are attracted to dealing in used cars, which was the original example of a market in Lemons. The Lemons theorem states that such markets are likely to disappear. The same may happen to today's hedge fund industry. Now consider the financial sector as a whole. It is again hard either to distinguish skill from luck or to align the interests of management staff, shareholders and the public. It is in the interest of insiders to game the system by exploiting the returns from higher probability events. This means that businesses will suddenly blow up when the low probability disaster occurs, as happened spectacularly at Northern Rock and Bear Stearns. Moreover, if these unfavourable events, stock market crashes, mortgage failures, liquidity freezes, come in stampeding herds because so many managers copy one another, they will say, well, nobody could have expected this. But now that it has happened to all of us, the government must come to the rescue. The more one believes this is how an unregulated financial system operates, the more worried one has to become. Rescue from this crisis may be on the way, but what about next time? And the time after next. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.